Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Today's guest was once facing the death penalty, then life without parole, and is now free. Fun fact, she can make 101 dishes out of ramen noodles, and she's pursuing her bachelor's degree. Sheena, welcome. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Did I say it right? Sheena, yep, that's right. So I was thinking your name totally fits with the song that my dad used to sing to me because he's like, have you seen a, have you seen a Rena? I could do, have you seen a, have you seen a Sheena? Hey, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love that you have a podcast with your dad. That is so cool. Aw, thank you. Tell me about your daddy. Uh, which one? <laughs> My mother, when she was younger, she was married a few times, but I have a, my biological father, unfortunately he has passed. And then I have my stepfather who is amazing. He's been in my life since I was 11. And then I have a father who adopted me when I was younger, who is also amazing. So I do have some great father figures. (laughs) I'm lucky I had more. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I'm glad that the men that were in your life were positive role models. That's so awesome. Yes. Yes. But as a teenager, you never appreciate that. You don't appreciate great role models. You're like, they don't know nothing and I know everything. Yeah, I have a (laughs) preteen. Yes. And you don't understand nothing, nothing. And you don't know nothing. Now I know as being older, my parents might have knew a few things and I probably should have listened. Yeah, tell me about your upbringing. Well, my upbringing was kind of crazy. My mother was a teenager when she had me, so very young. She had not had a great childhood herself. So I ended up moving in with my grandparents when I was young. And it wasn't my grandparents that it happened with, but I was sexually abused as a child. And then my mother finally got her life together, was doing better. She came and got me, and that's when I got my new stepdad. By that time, though, I was so angry and bitter. So by the time I was 14... I met the man I ended up marrying. By 15, I was married. I just turned 15, got married to a man who was almost 20. That relationship, to say the least, was very abusive, sexually, mentally, physically, emotionally. It took about two years to finally get out of that marriage. In November of 1992, my ex-husband lost his life, and my boyfriend at the time did it. I ended up in prison at the age of 17 with life without the possibility of parole. Spent two years and nine months in county jail. When I was 19, I hit the adult prison system. So it was a journey for sure. With life without parole. Actually, they sentenced me to death by incarceration. How did that feel at that age? Well, at first you don't really take in if that's really, you know, well, life without you. I think because at such a young age, the same reason that people talk about children and have life without parole under age 18. One, you don't think you're permanent consequences to decisions. You don't think this could ruin the rest of my life or all the people you can impact or you have impacted by negative choices. Just same as you can impact the world with positive choices, you can also impact the world with negative choices. At that time, I think I felt like I was escaping something. Would I change it now? Absolutely. 
sometimes you get in the point in your life, you don't know where to turn or know what to do. I, I have restraining orders. I tried to run away. It was just nothing I could do to get away. Going into prison, I tell this to a lot of people, I finally felt free. I had escaped the abuse. I had got out, you know, nobody could hit me no more. Nobody could rape me anymore. Because even in a county jail, I was raped by a deputy. So even when I was sitting in jail, it happened to me. And they covered it up, threatened to kill me, threatened to kill my family. And 17 years later, they found the evidence of what he'd done to me. It was on video and that the sheriff had hid for all those years. So he finally ended up going to prison 17 years later after the cover-up. Whoa. Yeah. It's been a rough life. However, I'm a believer and very spiritual, and I changed my life in prison. I actually ended up taking a class 2004. So I'd been in there since 1992, 2004, because trust me, girl, I was a heathen. When I first went to prison, I was fighting, arguing, yelling, <laughs> doing the most when I first went to prison. But 2004, I took a class and it's called Impact of Victims of Crime. And it shows you what your crime does, not to just the victim, the victim's families, your community, people around you, the world, how you have victimized others by your choices. And that class changed me in prison. That class made me go, whoa, this really affected a lot of people, not just me. Because as teenagers, we're selfish. It's all about us. So when I took that class, it turned everything around. Now, did I overnight become this great role model inmate? Oh, no. <laughs> I still like to make hooch and drink a little bit. I still like to party while I was in there. I had some really great mentors there. Some other women who had done a longer time than I had. They've been there for a while. We call them OGs, old heads. So as time started going, I became a facilitator of that class that I took that changed me. And I started teaching other women. And then I took substance abuse, breaking barriers, domestic violence. Every class I took, I turned around and started teaching it to facilitate it because it helped me grow. And at the time I had life without parole, and I thought, even if I never get out of prison, I'm going to be the most successful even here because I can help other women not come to prison back here after they leave. Maybe I can help them see that they're better than this. And so I became that mentor, that person in there to try to help people see that they're worthy, they're beautiful, they're amazing, and that anything's possible. That prison was not the life, you know, they didn't want to be like me. They didn't want to be there forever. And so that's how I turned it around in there. And the law changed. Juveniles could not have life without parole after the age over the age of 18. So that changed. I was the first woman in Missouri under that law to get out. But I also, my co-defendants helped me. They recanted their statements. I had some, a lot of supporters. The sheriff who arrested me was actually my number one supporter getting out of prison. He had turned around and said, whoa, we really did this girl wrong. Because even in my trial, my jury members went to church with my victims. And I had two people on my jury that said she's guilty until she proves her innocence. So the trial wasn't even fair from the get-go. Did I deserve to go to prison? Absolutely. Somebody lost their life. I was a part of that. And absolutely, because he never got the opportunity to change to be a better person. I did. And I will always regret that. But I think I would have been dead today if that wouldn't have happened. Did you get to see his family in court? Oh, yes. I've seen them in court, yes. 
are you allowed to communicate with them now? No, I do not communicate with them. I'm in the same small area I co I committed my crime in. So I actually in, ended up coming back to the same town. And it's a small country town. So everybody knew who I was. It has not been easy. I couldn't even get a job at Burger King. <laughs> and my crime was almost 30 years ago. I got out in 2017. It's been a journey. I mean, I've had doors closed on my face. You can't rent. You can't hardly find a job. As a felon, so many things are closed off to you, especially with a violent felony. So I just had to start learning to do different things. I'm a personal trainer nutritionist, so I started personal training and, and doing nutrition with people. I just started a group called Prison Did Not Break Me. And it did not break me. It is definitely my stepping stone to success. And so I'm using that now to help women who have came out and they're struggling to help women that are, or men that are still inside struggling. And even the families, because a lot of families don't know what to do when somebody comes out. They're just, they've been doing time with you. They don't know either. They're like, okay, you've been gone. I've been gone. We don't even really know each other. You know, I walked into a room after 25 years, the day before Thanksgiving with the people that I didn't even know, with a cell phone that I didn't even know what was, because there was no technology when I was in prison. They do not teach you. Some prisons will teach you technology, mine did not. Since I've been out, I just finished esthetician school. So I'm, I'm about to be a licensed esthetician. I'm also going to GCU university getting my business administration degree and i am going to start my own podcast and youtube channel of prison did not break me and with doing that i'm going to interview people who have gotten out that are doing great things in their life to maybe take the stigma off that people make bad choices but don't let it define their lives give them the opportunity to show you we grew to 300 members overnight everybody is working so hard to prove themselves after they've been in prison that people just give them the chance. But when door closed and door closes and it keeps closing, eventually people are like, forget it. Nobody cares. Nobody believes in me. Nobody, nobody cares. Why should I care? And then they give up. They end up committing more crimes and they end up rolling back to prison. I feel like you're an OG now. I am an OG. <laughs> I'm one of the old heads. And the women that I did time with, there's a few that I can just be like, yeah, you know, she should probably never. But all the other women, when I tell you they're personality, they're beautiful, they're amazing, they just made a wrong choice. And they don't have to let it define their life. But the world needs to give the opportunity not to let them be defined by that either. Mine is a harder crime for people to really swallow. And it took a long time for one, for me to forgive myself. There is no excuse for a life to be taken. I see that. I know that now. But as a 17-year-old kid who's being raped and beat and abused and controlled, you don't see that. You see, I just want out. It's a really hard situation. And what you said, too, that had that not happened, then you might have been dead. So that's something deep right there. There was one point that he took me in the woods and he had, there was a hole. And he said, I could put you in this hole and no one would ever know. They would just think that you ran off. And I think that probably, that was one of the last big things that happened. And I think that was my trigger point. 
I didn't kill him, but I, I was involved in it. So I deserve to still do time. And I read me, about your case and mm-hmm. yeah. Can you break down for me? Like what that day was like? Were you there? Yes. You walked him in. There. Yes. They made it about all this other stuff. It was not about money. We were divorced. There was no, I didn't get no life insurance. I gained nothing out of it. As a matter of fact, I lost a lot because he was the one who took care of everything. Like, but that was a way to control. That day it was just drug induced, alcohol induced, teenagers on a rampage, angry little teenage girl who was lost and broken and would have done anything in the world just to be safe and okay. There's times, there's things I can remember, things I can't remember. So I just kind of, I just know their reason for it and my reason for it. The media will tell you anything to sell something. There's the media truth and then there is the truth. Tell me what you remember. I remember just being really high drunk. I remember it just being almost like a movie. Like when you watch the movies and you see how the days just kind of go foggy. That's how I remember it now. It's just like bits and pieces. Like I remember partying, I remember remember conversations of things happening, and I remember next thing I know, we're at the house. And next thing I know, literally I don't remember a whole lot of that. Next thing I know, I'm at a police station. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in jail. It's just, it goes that fast, and you don't know. You don't know what one statement, what one choice just can run all the way till you're just lost. And then you've lost your life. And the other two gentlemen are in jail still, right? One is out and there's one still in. Are you allowed to have communication with them? No. Had you ever been in trouble with the law before? No, not really. What was your relationship like with your mom in prison? My mother was my biggest supporter. She stood by me. I mean, we had our ins and outs because there was a lot of things we had to fix with our relationship as me as a younger. A lot of that was me you know, more so than her. When I got out, you know, my, my mom handed me a phone and I'm like, uh, okay. And it was vibrating. I'm like, what is this vibrating for? She's like, if somebody's calling you, it was my grandma, you know, but I didn't know. I was like, what in the world is this? I'm learning Instagram now. I got Facebook down. Now we're learning Instagram. So we'll see how that goes. I saw, too, that you were excited about a Caramello bar. Oh, my gosh, yes. I love them. I only eat them a little bit because <laughs> they're not that healthy for you. I was excited about Caramello bar. Today, I was just telling my group I was so excited about driving. I love driving. I do drive still like a 17-year-old. However, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, do you want to get married? Do you want to have a family? Due to what happened in the county jail, I had to have a hysterectomy in prison. So, but I have an amazing man in my life. He actually served in the military and is a veteran from Iraq. So he understood a lot of the things when I came home, just trying to adjust to a world that was completely different. He showed me how to change little by little, that it was okay not to be okay. How'd you guys meet? I was working at a tanning salon. And I was working at a gym in Arkansas and he was a tan bed man. He fixed tanning beds and he came in and it was crazy. It just, we connected us. You're cool. I'm cool. It's cool. I worked at a tanning bed in college and I got way too many moles from doing that. Yes. Yeah. I used to, I started esthetician school working at the tanning salon. So 
such an oxymoron. They're like, you cannot work there and be an esthetician. I was like, I can work there. And they're like, then stop tanning. <laughs> but it felt so good. It's so relaxing. I used to uh -huh. fall asleep in there. I honestly used to do it every day. I was, I looked yeah. Puerto Rican. So, you know, I was ghost white when I came out. So the tanning bed was like, yes, the tan. And when we couldn't lay out in prison and do those things. So the first sunburn, I will tell you, was, whew, wow. Oh, my God. In our family pictures, like, I grew up in Kentucky. And, like, yeah, my husband's, like, strawberry blondes. My kids are super white. Like, there are pictures of me where I look like not part of the family. <laughs> They're like, white, 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 white. Who's she? White, white. <laughs> exactly. My same look. Yeah, I didn't realize how overboard I had gone. It was just, like, a relaxation technique while I was in college. Well, I think that we never feel like we're dark enough either. You get out, you're like, oh, I really didn't get much. Another thing I noticed on your social media was that you advocate for other people who you feel should get out of prison. Can you talk to me about that? Yes. I have a couple other friends who are still in prison with life without parole. One-time crime, and they've been there for a long time. Women who would never hurt anybody if they ever got out again. It was a situation. Like, I have one friend, her and her friends went. And they went to beat up the guy that raped her and it went overboard and he died. They are all, all of them are free. The discrepancy in men and women's sentencing, the men, they kill their wives. They get like 10, 15 years, you know, it goes the other way around and women are sent with life without cool. Or you have somebody who, and I'll just put it out there, molested a child, you know, raped a child and they're doing five years, four, five years. And yet people who've been abused and was mistreated and, and or something major happened in one moment made the worst decision of our life and it did impact it did affect people but they're not those people 30 years later they're not the same people anymore we had one girl i kid you not microwaved her baby and she did four months in prison four months and i didn't even pull a trigger and i did 25 years to the day i want to know who you've become. Who is OG Sheena now? <laughs> OG, confident, ready to take on the world and show the world that one choice does not define me. Prison did not break me. It didn't make me a bitter person or angry. It made me a better person because I chose to use the tools they offered. And you can sit in prison and do nothing, but I took every tool offered to me. Me now, loving, kind. My heart aches just to help people. I don't want to stop growing. And right now I'm the best me I could be. But tomorrow after I read some of this book, I might be even better. I love that. I love your positivity. It's really pouring out of you. Can we go back a little bit to what it was like when you entered prison? I'm so curious about that. When you walk in, they're not nice. They're not like, Oh, yay, we're glad you're here. You're so glad you make it. We don't hear your room at the Hilton, then you're going to be at room 205. No, it doesn't go like that. It's as soon as you walk in, strip your clothes off, naked. It doesn't matter. There might be a room full of 10 women with you. Squat, cough, lift your breasts, bend over, spread your cheeks. You're demeaned from the get go. As soon as you walk in the door, and they're not nice, they're not like a welcome committee. They're very almost like you're going to the military. They, they're, cause they want you to know they mean business. You're here. This is not a fun place. And they're setting the tone that they're the one in charge. I remember walking in that day thinking, Oh my God, I just want to go home now, you know, in 
course, I want my mommy. <laughs> you get strip searched. Then they stand you there and they just spray you down with pilaus. Spray your hair, your body. They just spray, throw it on you. And you have to stand there just naked waiting for five minutes, ten minutes. And then they turn on the water and they hand you a bar, bar of Bob Barker soap shampoo. And you've got about five, seven minutes to wash it off. And then they pull you out and they hand you your khakis, your bedding, your pillow. Within my first week, I've seen a blanket party where the girls will run up, they throw a blanket over a person and they might have locks and socks and, and beat a girl up. And she got beat up. That was within my first week of prison. She got beat up because she was talking to the cops too much. And they thought she might have been telling something. Now, as prison's gone on, you have more, I want to say, I'll say drug addicts that are not like the old gangster types like they were when I went to prison like almost 30 years ago. But I've seen just many different things, people being taken advantage of. I was a friendly country girl. I'm from a little town. So when your neighbor comes and asks you for a cup of sugar, you give them a cup of sugar. Well, in prison, when people come and ask you for a cup of sugar, I was the nice girl first. I was like, sure, you can use your sugar. And somebody said, honey, you can't just keep giving people sugar because they'll take all your sugar from you. And, and soon enough, I wouldn't have no sugar and everybody else had sugar. So I learned very quickly that being friendly in there is not the same as being friendly to your neighbor out there. Sheena, you are OG for sure. I am so glad that I connected with you. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. It's been great. I appreciate it a lot. I cannot wait for my dad's response. Here we go. This is a story without her choosing where she doesn't start off life and on a very easy road. Certainly no silver spoon in her mouth. She had a very young mother. She's a very young girl being abused at home and has gone through, as she mentioned already, uh, three different fathers. But at 14 years old, she meets a young man and thinks she's in love, is already having probably sexual relations even at 14 years old, and gets married at 15, and then finds out that this older boy that's 20 years old is abusive, whether she wants to have sex or not, she's having sex in a very abusive relationship where she's being threatened all the time. And she says, holy cow, what kind of life is this? She tries to uh, get out of the relationship. She's being threatened all the time. And after two years, she gets out of the relationship. She meets another young man and the threats continue. And she says, well, the only way I'm going to get out of this, being high and drunk and being overly abused where she's just numb, she says, I'll get him first. Society then wants to say how awful and terrible she is. They do not even consider all the circumstances leading up to this. And as she already mentioned also, our jury system is not uh, necessarily where justice is done right the first time. All of a sudden, it looks like her life is over. And she's thrown into uh, a prison. She decides that whatever opportunities are in prison, she is going to say, hey, I'm out of the situation that I'm in. I'm alive, and I'm going to do my very best to make the best of it. And I still want to grow. I still want to be able to have a life. She deserves a hell of a lot of credit that she went to prison, and yet this might have even been her salvation, where she had a chance to get a fresh start at life, and yet still she was even abused in the prison. 
as well and rate there as well. There's no, uh, no easy road for her, but she's still decided that no matter what has happened to her, that she's going to figure out a way to still grow as a person and try to redeem herself. And isn't that what also being on this earth is all about? And as your father has told you, my goal after 60 was to hope that I could gain some wisdom rating points, that my life and experiences that I've had, that maybe I could also help others and be able to help myself understand things better and be a better person. And I think that's what all of us are here on this earth, is to try to take the choices that have been in front of us and to see if we can't make the best choices possible and to see if we can better ourselves and help others along the way as well. Do you feel like her wisdom rating went up in prison? Absolutely. The truth of the matter is, is that it's turning out that prison doesn't have to break you and destroy you. And yet she's told you about many people, they just waste their lives away in prison. And other people decide to say, hey, this is where I'm at. There's got to be a way that I can still grow and better myself. And she's used that as an opportunity to uh, redeem her life. Today's episode is sponsored by Rin 10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Rin 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Yeah. <laughs>